Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, this week I have a very special episode for you. I am combining two interviews that I did with two women who I met in one of my Power of Run online communities. These women have been a part of one of my groups for several years, and I have met one of them several times, and the other one other friends have met, and we just haven't been able to meet face-to-face yet. But I think that both of these women are super inspiring. And even if you're not a runner, I think you'll enjoy their stories. They both have such passion for running and such perseverance and just that desire to push through and get the job done. They both also find such joy in running and also in the relationships that they have with the running community and with the volunteer work and mentoring that they do for other runners. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, I will let you hear my interview first with Jen Carlson Maloney and then with Sherry Ashley. Today I have with me Jen Carlson Maloney. Jen is a runner who I met online, I don't even know how many years ago. And I have to tell you a little backstory before I have Jen start talking to us. Um, Several years ago, I started these private Facebook groups in conjunction with my running page, Power of Run. And there was just one group that from the very start was clear that it was a special group. And it stayed rather small. And over the years, we've even gotten rid of people who don't really participate in our conversations. But Jen was one of the original members of this group. And I originally started those groups as a way to kind of promote my services as a run coach. But this group was just so special because we all immediately just gelled and bonded like a family. And Jen was one of those original people. And so I want to introduce you to my longtime friend who I've never met in real time person, Jen Carlson Maloney. Welcome, Jen. Hi. Hi. Yeah, so, I think I was trying to remember. I think it's been about six years, I think. That sounds about right. Yeah. So I go kind of where anymore I get so busy where I just disappear from that group and people might not even hear me or hear from me for a while. But you are one of those people who is always there, pumping people up, getting people excited, checking in with everybody, making sure everybody's okay. And like I said, it really has, I think, it feels like our own little running family because everybody genuinely cares about each other. Do you think that's... Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So tell us how how long have you been running? I think about seven years. I started about a year after my youngest was born. A friend of mine asked if I wanted to do a, like a beginner's running group at a local running store. So I think Noah was turning one when I started it. So about seven years. Okay. And what was your reason for starting to run? Did you have a big reason when you first started? 
well, you know, I was still carrying around the baby weight from my first son who was nine years older. And uh, Common reason. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I really always wanted to run, but I just didn't really know how. I don't know. Like I would see people running and I was like, oh, that looks like, you know, I think that would be relaxing or I think I would like that. But I mean, I was the kid who, you know, faked sick on the mile run day during school because I hated it so much because I couldn't do it. You know, you'd start running too fast and then peter out or whatever. So um, my husband and I had started running like before we got married, we started kind of on our own. And I think I got up to about two miles and then we just kind of fell off. So I kind of wanted to get back to it. So I agreed to do this running group with her at a local running store. Okay. So seven years ago, you started running Mm -hmm. and at 1.2 miles was hard. And I hear you have a big race coming up. How far is that race that you're doing? Is it tomorrow? Tomorrow. Yeah. Um, 50 K hopefully fingers crossed. (laughs) That is awesome. So, so what made you decide to, how did you pick this particular race and what made you decide to go into even a longer distance than the marathon? Um, you know, a lot of it just, I don't know, the, the group that I ran with for years, in fact, the, the Fleet Feet store I ran with just closed um, about four months ago. So that was really sad. But um, I ran with them for all those years. And I don't know, I think I did the 5k class like four or five times before I did the 10k. And it took a long time to go from a 10k to a half. So um after I'd done several halves, um, our other crazy run group people, M- Missy and Sherry, were, and then Molly too, were doing the Dopey Challenge in uh, Disney. So right. when I knew that they were going to do that, like part, I had heard of it and I was like, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. <laughs> you know, and I remember telling <laughs> my husband, I'm like, who can you imagine doing that? I'm like, and you know, over time, I, he always, he loves to tell this story because when the first time I finished a 10k dead last of course dead last um I sat down on the curb and I said never again (laughs) never again because I felt so awful and um so he thinks it's really funny that I said that but um so I don't know I, I kept thinking about it and I thought well I've done halves and I had been kicking around to full so I just decided to try to do the dopey thing so I did that in 2016 and then after that, I had just decided that I wanted to do one more full, at least, um, try it as a standalone race, not to do it with the five, ten and a half leading up to it. So, Which is a crazy um, feat, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I just, I don't know, like you just kind of get into a zone, which I'm hoping I can tomorrow, you know, and you just kind of plow through. But so I had back surgery and I ended up I've had a, I had a bulging disc for years and after dopey, it acted up a little bit, but then later in 2016, I ended up having back surgery because, um, I, I, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. I'd done years of the injections and the steroids and all that kind of stuff. So in October of 2016, I had, um, surgery on my back for the discs and it went really well. So originally I was supposed to do, um, a full in New York. I was going to do a, the wine glass full in New York was going to be my next full. And I had to um, defer that one because of my back. So um, I don't know. And then after that, I just 
when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, if I'm going to do a full, maybe I should just try to push it a little bit more and do a 50K because then, you know, it's one more distance. And then, I mean, I kind of feel like this will probably be my last long, long one. I really like the half distance. and mm-hmm. Me too. Um, you know, and these are just like, you know, it's so time consuming to train. And um, so I don't know. I mean, I have a couple of friends who are kicking around doing a full and I guess if any of them would commit to it and I help them train, then maybe I would do one more, but I kind of feel like this might be my last long, long distance one. <laughs> so kind of a bucket list thing just to say you did yeah. the distance. Right, right. For sure. Okay. So now I have to ask this. A lot of people, it seems like when they have a big setback, like your big surgery on your back, mm-hmm. will use that as a reason to stay on the couch or to not go back to their favorite activity. And it would be really logical to expect mm-hmm. or to think or to use that as an excuse in your case to not go back to running mm-hmm. long distances because, I mean, your, your back, that's, that's a mm-hmm. tough recovery. So right. how, what did you tell yourself or what was the thought process to get yourself back into it? Because I know that that had to have been hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, I just, I've had, I'm so blessed to meet so many people through running. And I think that just makes a huge difference. Like I just missed everybody because my husband always says too, that running is, he said to you, it's more social that it, or he said, it's just as much social as it is physical, which is true because I did all the running groups and all the mentoring. And I mean, I have friends now that in fact, I live across the street from somebody that I met through running now. And I've traveled with people. I mean, cause I think it's hard once, you know, once you get into your thirties and forties, it's kind of hard to make friends unless it's like your mm-hmm. kids, parent, you know, kids, friends, parents or whatever. Right. Um, so I've just met a ton of people through the running group. So, I mean, just kind of staying on the sidelines, watching, you know, the, the crazies, what they were doing and seeing what my friends were training for. And um, I mean, I even went along to some, like, like we were supposed to do the hot chocolate in Chicago. And so I still went with my friends who did it. Um, we were going to do the 15K and then they dropped down to the 5K. And um, so I just still went along and um, I mean, I think I was just kind of jealous of what everybody was doing and I was looking forward to getting back to it. Um, I mean, it really does, you know, I mean, as you know, it just becomes part of your routine and what you do. And I mean, when I was mentoring my, you know, my family knew Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings were when mom runs. So, you know, it was just kind of built into the schedule. And, um, so that just kind of, I just was looking forward to getting back to it, you know, just kind of getting back to into it and seeing my friends. And I think sometimes like I tend to be the organizer too. So I think maybe some of my friends fell off during that time too. So it was oh, good to have some people come back to it too. So. Wow. You just, I was sitting here taking notes because you said about five really major things in that last couple sentences, which I think are really cool. Um, so I do think that it is and becomes a big part of our social life. And Mm -hmm. I I know for me, every time I've had some surgery or reason why I couldn't run for an extended period of time, you do miss it. And I Mm kind of sometimes feel like, yeah, I'm jealous. Jealous is kind of like you sit and you watch those people and you're like, you're jealous. But at the same time, you're like, oh, it's so fun. I miss it. I want to get back. So I do think that that's a big a big motivator. Just yeah, I agree. back to your social life. 
I also mm-hmm. like that you said that it was built into your schedule and everybody knows that that's what mom does. I think that's such mm-hmm. an important one for women, especially mm-hmm. women w- who work and who have kids. And mm-hmm. do you have any other things that you do to make sure that you are able to get your workouts in? You know, I just do. I mean, I, I do try to keep it at a minimum impact to my family. You know, I mean, like, I don't think it's really fair for that. I, I, I was just saying this to someone the other day. I said, the one thing that's hard about these really long training runs is that I can't, I, I can't opt out after that. Like I can't just take the rest of the day to relax because there's always, there's still mom stuff to do and family stuff to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, after 20 miles, then, you know, you, you do go to the football games or you go to family stuff, you know, you do whatever, you know I mean? So um, I think I try to do it. Like I do, I mean, a lot of early mornings. Um, I've always like tried to just make, make use of like the, I don't want to say wasted time, but like we used to live further away from all of um, my son Sawyer's activities. So a lot of times it didn't really pay, like if I had to drop him off at practice or something, it didn't really pay for me to drive home and then go back and get him an hour or hour and a half later. So a lot of times I use, would use that time to run. So, I mean, I did a lot of running in like parking, you know, dark parking lots and around <laughs> schools and, you know, stuff like that, you know, so I felt safe, but not, um, you know, whatever. So I did, um, you know, I would do stuff like that. Or I, like I said, like when I do these, like my longer training runs, I try to do them super early in the morning. So, you know, at a minimum I'm home by, you know, 11, you know, 10 or 11. So most of the day is still, you know, is still open. I mean, I still go some evenings or whatever, meet with my friends, but for the most part, a lot of the time that I spend doing it, I don't know if my family's even aware, especially the kids, they might still be asleep by the time I get home. So yeah, that's how I did a lot of mine too when my kids were little, little enough to notice if I was gone. <laughs> so I also wanted to ask you, you mentioned that a lot of times you are the organizer of things and you talked mm-hmm. about the group that you were a participant in mm-hmm. at the running store and then you later mm-hmm. became one of the mentors for that. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what it was like to be a mentor and how you got started working with the people? Yeah. Um, the first time I did it, it was, like I said, it was a, it was sort of a, a couch to 5k. They didn't do the, the run walk thing. They more did, um, like just increasing distances. So mm-hmm. the goal was to run the whole thing. Um, but you know, you didn't necessarily have to, you know, but so it started at 0.75 miles and then you ran through a 5k and there was always like a goal race at the end that you didn't have to do the goal race but that was you know that most of the people did and so the first time my friend and I we tried like we're getting ready for the first class and we thought well let's try running 0.75 and see if we can do it and we did um 0.75 or we, we were able to run a quarter mile then we walked a quarter mile and then we ran the sec- the third quarter. And we were just, I I mean, I was so scared to go to that first class. I mean, I was so scared because I, you know, the only memories I really had were of um, my, you know, grade school horror stories of Mm -hmm. running the miles. So, um, but this, the Fleet Feet store had great mentors then. And I met a couple of people that I'm still friends with today were my early on mentors. And we were always at the back of the pack. You know, we were always um, the last ones coming through but it was like, a, it was really positive experience. Like they would wait at the end for the last people and, 
you know, you never really felt like anybody was like tapping their foot, like, oh, come on, you know, we want to get out of here, you know? And um, so that's kind of how I started. And I guess after the first time they were looking for mentors. And so I thought, well, I kind of felt like I need to pay it forward because, you know, I was so grateful to have somebody who's always stuck with me at the end. Um, so I kind of wanted to be that person. So, I mean, I don't know how many, I, I think I had to go through the things, probably the different class. I, I mentored the five, the K, the 10 K and the half programs at different points. And, um, I mean, I just, I met a ton of people through it. You know, there's, you know, a lot of people who come in who are just as scared as I was, you know, and like I said, there's, there's probably a dozen people that I still see regularly either to run or just socially, you know, maybe they're not running anymore, but you know, we still see each other socially and um, you know, it just, it was a lot of fun. Like I just really enjoyed it. I mean, sometimes there was some anxiety because sometimes I was still the slowest one. There wasn't really anybody to mentor. And um, but one of the, the coaches said, well, you know, but at least, nobody in the class is last, you know what I mean? So you'll, you'll be the last one. So they don't have, you know, they don't have that. That's kind of taking that anxiety away. Um, we have, the, the a race. we have a race here. Speaking of nobody else's last where they will mm-hmm. actually get local community people who maybe are somewhat well-known or known in the running community to be the official last runners across the finish line. Oh, nice. Which I think is just that's such cool. a great idea because everybody mm-hmm. doesn't read that. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, yeah. that's really a great idea. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. So, yeah, so I did that. I did do, I, they did change management at the running store kind of, I don't know, maybe midway through. And those owners were a little, or managers were a little bit, they weren't quite so much pushing the running, the whole thing. It was like, you determine your goal and then, you know, work on that. So some people it was walking, some people it was run walk. Um, so that I liked that too. And, but they did also do, um, they did something different that we hadn't done before in doing mile time. So we would do a mile time the first week of the class. And then I don't remember if we did it midway and end, or if we just did it twice, I can't remember, but that was really cool too. Seeing people, you know, like how much they're, mile time um yeah I bet you know improved over time you know so that was really cool too so yeah it was just I really enjoyed it I mean when um I stopped mentoring it I I really missed it for a while and there is another local running store that does look for mentors and I've thought about going back to it but I have to say I, I am kind of enjoying having you know a little bit of my being able to you know do my own schedule now and not having you know, to be there, you know, at right. all the set times, but I do miss it. I mean, it was a lot, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of good, really good memories. And I still see a lot of the people, like I said, since the store closed, um, we had a, I'm trying to think I hosted a run. I can't remember when it was, it maybe it was sometime when it was still cold out. Cause I know it was right after a winter run and a bunch of the people from the store came to that. And then the previous managers, um, we're in town. That's why. So the previous managers were in town. So we kind of had to get together here and we've had a reunion run last week with, um, you know, the two of the, the coaches that were, that were there when the store closed. I'm sorry, my kids are wrestling in the other room. <laughs> and, um, so, I mean, I still see a lot of people. There's still there. We had a Facebook group for that group that it's obviously not super active anymore because it was a fleet feet group, but everybody's still kind of in there. So, um, 
you know, if we want to do like reunion runs or get togethers or people want to know who's doing what race, you know, we can still post in there. So very fun. So another thing that you said that I think is really important for people to pay attention to is you talked about being a back of the pack runner. So you were mentoring even while most people might not consider you to be a fast runner. And I think that's kind of a big deal because it shows that everybody can run and everybody mm-hmm. can contribute to the mm-hmm. atmosphere and the social environment. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a place for people of all speeds in those mentoring mm-hmm. roles because mm-hmm. we're not all the fastest runners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, I mean, I still, you know, get in my own head sometimes and think, oh, I'm not a real runner because I don't run fast or I don't run straight through. I mean, since I started doing the longer distances, I usually train with intervals. Um, for the races, I don't necessarily stick with the intervals. I sometimes, you know, just do whatever works that day, but I train that way. So sometimes it bugs me, but I mean, a lot of the people that I'm still friends with though, I met through this group and like we talked before and after, but we never ran together because they were faster than I was, you know? So, but there's a lot of people who, I mean, it's, it's nice to know that you're not going to finish by yourself, you know? And in a lot of those groups, there were, there were, you know, sometimes there were three, four, sometimes there were six or seven or eight of us. And, you know, whoever was having a better day, they'd run together a little bit faster. Whoever wasn't feeling it would run a little bit slower at the end, you know? And I mean, now I've reached a point where I'm like, you know, even if someone just wants to get together, if they want to get together and walk and not run, I don't care. That's fine too. You know, I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, time on your feet and, you know, it is therapy in some degree, right? I mean, how many times have you poured your soul out on a run, you know, about stuff that's going on, you know, venting or whatever. So, um, yeah, so definitely, I mean, you know, you never know who's fast or who's slow, you know, you cannot tell just by looking at someone, you know, it really, there's really no stereotypical runner, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just great for, just great to encourage everybody to get out there and move, like you said, mm-hmm. whether you want to walk it or run mm-hmm. or run walk, there's mm-hmm. really no right or wrong way to do it as long as you're out there moving. And, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of feel like, Anybody who wants to poke fun of you or to make, you know, just about your pace or mm-hmm. about your form or how you look when you're out running, they're not very nice people to begin with. And I'll bet mm-hmm. you that most of those people aren't even out there trying themselves. Yeah, that, I mean, probably. I mean, I, you know, we've all had, or, well, maybe we all haven't, but I have had the experience of, you know, you running and someone yelling something mean, you know, <laughs> as you're running down the road. And That's horrible. that can be a it's a horrible, you know, it, it really like shoots your confidence for a while, but you know, like, I mean, you kind of get over it. I mean, this really, I mean, if anything else running has helped me a thousand times more mentally than it has physically, you know, I mean, it just, you know, getting through all that, you know, being scared of what people are going to think and all that stuff, you know, being scared of being last. I mean, I've been last so many times that, you know, I'm kind of over that. I get it. <laughs> I mean, someone has to be so. Well, I think that you are very inspiring, and I'm so glad that you came on my podcast today to tell everybody just about your running career and what you've been up to. I think it's it's great that you started as somebody who just thought, oh, that might look cool. I think I'll join this class to somebody who's running a 50K. I'm so excited for you. 
And I can't wait to hear, can't wait to hear how it goes this weekend. Yeah, the nerves are in full swing right now, so. (laughs) I wanted to give you a little bit of an update about how Jen's race went. She talked to me the day before the race when I recorded that interview, and then the day after she gave us a little bit of an update. She says it was a really rough day, it was raining, pouring most of the race, but the rain held off long enough for her to set up a tent so that she had a place to store some spare shoes and clothing so that she could switch into some dry clothes occasionally. But she says it rained and poured for the next four hours after she got that tent set up. And the upside was that it kept her cool, but the downside was that it turned about a third of the trail into mud. She had a lot of friends and family members who came out to cheer her on, and she got some great support from other runners who one of the guys did 76 miles on the same course last year, and a woman who completed 45 miles that day as a training run. And this woman in particular stayed around and cheered for her at the finish line, waited for Jen to finish, and even gave her a rock that had a 50K painted on it, which I think is really cool. Have you guys seen those rocks that people paint and they look really awesome and then they hide them for other people to discover? Anyway, I think it's a fun idea. And so this person gave Jen one of those rocks. And another kind of neat part of the day was that for the last seven laps, Jen was really struggling. And Jen's mom passed away not too long ago. And at one point, she said out loud, Mom, if you have any pull up there, I could really use some help. I'm struggling. And a couple laps later, her sister showed up. Her sister came back and was standing there waving. And her sister ran a few laps with her and helped her get through that race. And her sister says to her as they are running, This is going to sound weird, but I was sitting at home and I swear I heard mom's voice in my ear saying, get your butt out there. So I thought that was kind of cool that Jen also felt the presence of her mom on such an important day and she got such great support from her friends and family. She loved the race. She loved how it was organized. It was a small race, but they handled all the details and it just sounds like it was a wonderful environment. She spent this week recovering, and she really recovered very well. So we are super proud of Jen. And Jen, if you're listening, congrats on an awesome race. This episode is brought to you by me, Coach Kim. If you would like to run your first 5K, half marathon, marathon, or triathlon this year, give me a call. Send me an email. Let's talk. I work with people of all ability levels, and I am here to tell you, you deserve to have a coach. It is not just for elite athletes. I can work with you one-on-one, or you can look at one of my group coaching programs. But if you want somebody who can cheer you on, check in with you weekly, track your progress, help you through those tough points, and help you make the decisions that are involved with training, give me a call, send me an email, let's do a FaceTime or a Zoom call, and let's see if having a coach would be right for you. And now let's transition to part two of this episode 
my interview with Sherry Ashley. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, I am here with Sherry Ashley. Sherry is another one of those runners that I met on Facebook in one of my private Facebook groups. We go back several years now, and Sherry is another runner who is super inspiring. We'll talk about this here in a minute, but she would say that she does not come by running naturally. She has to work for every mile and every gain and every little bit of pace increase that she gets. And I love talking to people like Sherry because there are more runners out there who are just your average runner than there are speed demons out there. Sherry represents what is possible for every one of us. And so I am really excited to have Sherry here to tell us a little bit about her running journey. So welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thanks, Kim. And we've not only met in a Facebook group, we've actually met in person quite a few times. So I Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, so I started running um, seven years ago this November um, when I turned 40. And it was kind of one of those monumental moments where I had always had on the back of my mind to run on my bucket list or what I like to call my living list. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, to run a half marathon. You notice I said half marathon there. Um, I'll clarify that in a minute. But um, one of my friends said, oh, we're going to run a 5K. And I just downloaded this great program, Couch to 5K. And I'm like, oh, that I need to do that. Um, and the more I got to think about it, I'm like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to get this check mark on this box. So started couch to 5k and that February ran my first 5k, which was probably more of a walk than a run, I will admit. Um, and it's always fun to go back and do your run anniversary race and see how much you've gained or lost over the years. And unfortunately, mine changed from a 5k to a four miler. So um, I have a little difference now when mm -hmm. I run it. Um, but it took me a year and a half to run that half marathon. And I have to tell you, I finished that half marathon and I clearly remember telling my mother, I am one and done. <laughs> I am never doing this again. And Kim is laughing because I actually just added it up last weekend. I have ran 38 half marathons. Wow. I am training. You, have, you for sure have me be. I know I have not done that many. But you run a lot of races. I do. And I have um, ran, I am training for my ninth marathon. And I have run one ultra race, um, 150K as well. So um, I have ran a lot. And like Kim says, I, I live in Denver where literally we have multiple options every week to run a race. And I will admit I am very goal-driven and I like to be held accountable. Um, like Kim said, it is, it's difficult for me to, um, just get out and run. Um, every step sometimes is a journey and, um, it is also though my stress reliever and my therapy. And I, I tried to explain this to somebody because they're like, if you hate it so much, why do you do it? And it is a love hate relationship. Um, I, the way I feel when I'm running and every time your, your foot hits the pavement and you, you're pounding the pavement, you hear us say that a lot. I am pounding out my frustrations 
and it, it's really interesting. By the end of a run, I really can tell that I feel lighter, better emotionally and physically. Um, sometimes I'm exhausted, but I know it's better for me. But to get me out the door, that first step out the door is the hardest one, even seven years later. Um, so I will sign up for a lot of races. I also use them as a training run. Um, when I'm running for a marathon this weekend, I have a half marathon, and that is actually my training run. I will go out and run that with a couple miles before. I do the miles before a race, not after. I will never go back and do it. And in all reality, I get to that finish line. I get a medal. There's usually some kind of little party. And I get to celebrate the finish of my miles. So that is one reason I do have so many half marathons um, is that I use them as training runs a lot of times when, and, for my longer races. And that's a great idea, especially if you can have the mentality, which I know is really hard for a lot of these type A runners um, to do. But if you can have the mentality that you are going to run it as a training run and you're not going to race it because there's a difference. But if you could run it as a training run and get those miles in, you, you get the whole race atmosphere. And, you know, and you're so you much failed it right there on the head. You have to go into it as it is a training run. And, and I do know some people get there and they're out the gate and they're running and they're racing it. Um, you can't do that. I start at the back. It is clearly a training run and it is a fully supported training run with water stops and bathrooms yeah. and <laughs> people supporting you. So um, it's always better to run with friends. Um, you know that, I know that the miles go so much faster when you have somebody beside you versus um, running alone. So do you like the race atmosphere? I absolutely love it. Um, I tell people a lot of times, um, I, I hate the training aspect, but crossing that finish line is worth all the months of training. It's amazing how you can forget it in one second crossing the finish line. Do you like bigger races or smaller races better? Um, I'm kind of both. I'm a back of the packer, like you said. So for me, bigger races are a little easier because you usually have a little more support and you little, you usually have a little more crowd support out there for you. Um, I've been in a lot of races where everybody's gone and you literally are mm -hmm. almost like they're out there running on your own and you're just at least getting the support. Like I said, with the water stops, um, and, and we're going to talk about this at some point in this podcast, I know, but I run for charity too. So that makes a huge difference when you're running the long miles um, because it gives you that deeper purpose. But some of the bigger races I have run, and, and um, I've run Boston twice, I've run Chicago, and I'm actually training for New York. So those are huge races where you do have people out there. Um, That's nice. Like Kim says, I also give back to the community, and I have been at those big races and supported people, like this year's Boston, where it was pouring rain and 30 degrees, and I was out there for seven hours cheering on those runners because I knew how badly they needed it. Um, wow. Wow. I know the mentality, and I've been there. My first Boston was the last cold one they had, and, and this one was 100 times worse. Wow. So let's go, let's touch on that. Talk a little okay. bit about you do run for charity. So let's start with that. What charity do you support? Like when you go to run Boston, what is the beneficiary of that? 
I run for the American Liver Foundation, which is very personal for me. And um, my um, uncle died from liver disease. My aunt died from liver disease. So my first Boston was dedicated to my aunt. It was about a year and a half after she died. And then when I went the second time, I did it for both my aunt and uncle. Um, two years ago when I ran Chicago, the day after Chicago, which I ran for the Liver Foundation, um, my dad was hospitalized and ended up dying 10 days later from um, liver cancer and throat cancer. So wow. liver disease has touched my family in a way, and this is a way that um, I can give back um, to the community and to the running community. So I didn't realize when I started it four years ago that it would become such a passion. But um, the last time I added it up over the last four years, we have raised over $28,000. That's amazing. Events. So um, anytime I do a big race like this, it almost has to be for a charity because it is what gets me out the door and keeps me going. And I love that aspect of your training. People run for so many different reasons, whether it's, you know, like you said, pounding your frustrations out and leaving that on the pavement, or, you know, you also have that added, um, you know, doing it, raising money for the liver foundation and people run for so many different reasons. So it's, I think it's always interesting to hear, you know, what keeps people going, but also to, I like, I like your story because it helps people realize that, you know, you don't have to be super fast to call yourself a runner. You can fully take advantage of all the benefits of running, no matter how fast you are. And there's so many great benefits in terms of training partners and friendships. And just, I mean, we met in a Facebook group. That's how we initially met. But the running community is made up of just so many amazing people as well. You're absolutely right. I mean, some of my best friends right now, I would probably consider have come in the last seven years from me starting running and, you know, they seem to understand me. Um, whereas my family looks at me and thinks I'm absolutely insane. You're running what? <laughs> um, but, and I, I say this not to dis, um, to put down the distance, but if I can run a marathon, anybody can run a marathon. Um, I use the run walk method. Um, uh, something else that, we can probably talk about if you want a little mm -hmm. bit later is I was in a massive car accident four years ago, which really changed the way I run. Um, and I'm not the same runner I was four years ago. And, and that's a mental game that I struggle with every day. Um, I want to be that runner. And then I'm in one second, I'm going, but I'm thankful I'm running. Um, but then I want to be that runner. And, you know, Facebook memories are great. And <laughs> you actually see something. And I, and I love when I see things and I go, oh, recovery run. Look at how slow it was. And I'm like, oh, I want to be back there again. Yeah. So, but I am still doing it. And, and I'm very thankful for the races that I have done. Um, but again, I am not a fast runner. Um, my fastest marathon time is five hours and 45 minutes but I cross that finish line. And for me being goal-driven, that was a huge um, celebration moment. Um, and, you know, every time I'm out there running, I think of those who can't. Um, yeah. I remember the time when I was recovering from my car accident when I couldn't run and, and how miserable and how depressing it was. And, and um, Kim wasn't 
near here so she couldn't see, but most people didn't realize how deep into a depression I went. And part of that was I wasn't able to exercise and get the endorphins um, and just not be part of that community. Um, even though I was able to go out and walk races, um, it was not the same. I was um, suffering from debilitating headaches. Um, so I'm very thankful that I can run, um, even though I get setbacks a lot. Um, but I do remember those who can't run and, um, and why I run. Um, there's a lot of times where I say, remember why you run. And I think that is important to anybody out there. Even if you're an elite athlete, um, you, you need to remember why. Is it to make you happy? Is it just to win races? Um, you know, I, I'm never going to win a race. I'm probably never going to pace um, place. So I am going to enjoy it. And I take pictures along the course. I'll stop for selfies with firemen. Um, and those are some awesome pictures. I've seen them. But it's, to me, that is the memory that I'm going to remember more than my time. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully um, that inspires somebody. Um, you know, people inspire me daily. So it's always humbling when you do get somebody who says, I, I run because of you or I'm doing this because of you. Um, that, that's always humbling to me because I, I don't think of myself as inspiring. I just think of myself as pushing through and let's keep going. Um, so I want to go back to something you said about the run-walk method. Yes. So for people who don't know... That is a Jeff Galloway thing where you will set a designated amount of time that you run and then you will take a walk break and you walk for a certain amount of time. Right. And you can, as your own individual, decide what that run-walk ratio is going to be. But it is a fabulous way to train so that you can run more often because it doesn't beat up your body as bad. Right. It's also a fabulous way to make sure that you make it to the finish line, even if you are have had something come up and you're undertrained. If you can do a run walk and you have that time on your feet, it's it's just a great way to be able to be out there and participate. And just because you're doing a run walk doesn't even mean that you are slow. There are elite runners who get Boston qualifying times doing the run walk method. So when the you, person you said, Jeff Galloway, actually yeah. has qualified for Boston. Exactly. And he's done the Boston to Big Sur back-to-back -back marathons. And I think he actually beat his Boston time once, if I'm not mistaken, which the race is like, what, the day after or two days after? I don't remember um, how that works. Big Sur is anyway. a week to two weeks after. Yeah. Anyway, they're like really close. And he, he can do these races yeah. back to back and still get amazing times. So it's not just for people who are slow. There's no shame in walking. I know though that when I have done, because I, I actually do a lot of run walk these days too. And I know that when I have done half marathons and marathons that way, people see you take your walk break and, Oh, keep going. And they try to give you this like pep talk, like you're slacking or you're hurting and you're like, don't worry by the end of the race, I'm going to be like, finishing before you because I'm pacing myself. I know what I'm doing, but you know, you just kind of smile and nod and take it for the good wishes and good sportsmanship that it is, I guess. But you can, and everybody's walk run time is different. You need to find what works for you. Um, 
Some people need a little longer walk. Some need shorter. I believe Jeff Galloway um, promotes a shorter walk time. Um, one of our mutual friends um, has a 3-1 ratio um, and uh, is amazing. And in all honesty, that is my sweet spot. I would love to get back to it. I'm not quite back there yet. Um, but uh, the key to the run walk is finding what works for you. Um, don't go out and do a three, three minute run and a one minute walk. That's what we say. That's what we mean when we say like a three to one ratio or a 30, 30 ratio. Um, if that isn't what works for you, if what works for you best is a 45 second run and a 45 second walk, then do that. Um, you just need to find the sweet spot and play with the times of what works for you. Yeah. And I like touching on this topic because I think that sometimes people get self-conscious about what makes you a air quote here, real runner. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, if I'm not this pace or if I have to take walk breaks, I'm not a real athlete. I'm not a real runner. And so I guess one of the things I like to help people understand is, you know, being a runner is whatever you make it. And if being out there and, you know, getting a PR and qualifying for Boston or whatever is your thing, then that's the way you are as a runner. But if you like to, you know, take pictures with firemen and take selfies along the way, I mean, that that's your experience. And however that is enjoyable to you, I think that's, that's what's important is finding whatever gives you joy. And um, I had a guest a couple weeks ago, we were talking about you know, even if basket weaving is your thing, if you're outside moving in your basket weaving or, you know, just whatever, find your thing. It doesn't have to be running, but find your thing that makes you happy because we all need to move. And that is just a fact of life. We all have to move. So find a way to move and be happy. And that's a great point. And, you know, going back to this love hate of relationship, we also never know what race day is going to be like. And I've had miserable temps. I've had, I've woken up race morning with a migraine. I've woken up with um, uh, an Achilles injury, which we probably will get into a lot on that topic. Um, And in fact, we're going to go into it now. I struggled through four marathons with an Achilles tendon issue. And again, Treatment for everybody is going to be different. Some people can just do physical therapy. Some people can rest. Um, I tried everything. I was even put in a boot for eight weeks. What worked for me was Graston treatment. And if you guys don't know what that is, it's basically a chiropractor or some um, professional who uses what is basically similar to a very, very heavy butter knife, and they scrape up and down your calves to break up the scar tissue. And I had ran Boston for my second time and my Achilles flared up. And in all honesty, during the race, I literally thought I tore my Achilles. It hurt so bad. The fact that I even finished that race is amazing because I probably should have quit. Um, The next day I flew home, the very next day I was put in a boot by the doctor for eight weeks. So um, when that eight weeks was done, I had already signed up months ago for Chicago with the Liver Foundation. So we started to slowly build the miles up and see if I could run. And after about a month, I was increasing my mileage and I got to six miles and could not run without pain. And I literally was eight weeks out from the Chicago Marathon. And I'm like, if I can't run six miles, 
how am I going to run 26.2 in eight weeks? So I found this chiropractor and immediate, I knew, noticed a difference the next day. I ran a 10K the week before with, in pain. The next day after treatment, I ran the 10K 15 minutes faster than I had the week before. Wow. And in eight weeks, I finished the marathon without pain. I kid you not, I crossed that finish line. I pulled out my phone and took a picture of that medal and sent it to my chiropractor and said, thank you for getting me across the finish line. Um, And a lot of people were there. I actually had a friend who was actually along the course um, from Denver and saw me at mile 14 and she goes, you look good. And I go, I feel good. It was the first time in a year I had ran without pain. But about mile 19, I was very undertrained. Obviously, when you have an Achilles issue, you're balancing long runs and not aggravating the injury. And that is a very, very hard balance to do. And about mile 19, everything started to hurt because I was undertrained. And in my head, my goal was to finish in under 6.30 because the Chicago Marathon takes down their finish line at 6.30 and you don't get to cross it. And that was a huge deal to me. I'm a, I'm a finish line. I'm a goal girl. I got to yeah, finish yeah. line. Um, and to have fun. And I have to tell you about mile 19, I pulled back and I walked more and I took pictures and I had so much fun. To this day, that is my favorite marathon, including the Boston's, because I had fun. Even more than your Disney's? Yes. Wow. Wow. Um, And and again, with Disney, I had the Achilles issues. Oh, okay. And and the the second Disney was an unplanned um, marathon. Like she said, um, I was doing Disney, um, the Disney marathon weekend is a weekend of four races. And um, I was supposed to run the half marathon and it is the first and only time in 25 years that Disney has canceled a race due to lightning. And so they gave some of us the opportunity to um, sign up for the marathon the next day. And I thought that was a smart idea. That was not a smart idea. (laughs) Um, That was a long marathon. I'll bet it was. So tell me this, you are a busy woman. You have a full-time yes. job. You have a sweet, sweet dog that has had its, his, his, right? She, she Sophia. Her, Sophia, that's right. Had her own health issues this year. So your, your, your time is crunched. How do you find time to work out and get in all of this training? Because you know, that's an issue for a lot of people. They start a training program and then they drop off because they can't make it fit into their life. So how do you make it fit? How do you make it work? I am not as good as I used to be. I really am not. Um, But um, what um, Kim said is absolutely true. I had a dog who had had major surgery this year and was actually paralyzed for eight weeks. Um, So that put a huge hamper on um, training. That eight weeks, everything stopped. I was very fortunate to even work. Um, I had family that actually came in and took care of my dog while I was at work. Um, We actually bought a dog running stroller. Um, Mm -hmm. So for anything less than five miles, which are most of my weekday runs, my dog runs with me in the stroller. 
That's kind of fun. That is, and she absolutely loves her stroller. She loves being outside. Um, so for me, that has helped. Um, I can't do more than five miles. Um, I probably could, but five is what I picked um, just because it's an easy number. Um, because obviously, and, and more power to you mothers who push your kids in strollers. <laughs> I will give you major props because my dog is 15 pounds, so I feel you. Um, that has put a strain on my body, and some of that's probably... I'm not used to it and I haven't figured out my gait. Um, so it, I, I cut it off at five. I won't run with her more than five. Um, I try to get friends who, and again, I live in a wonderful running community of Denver and I have crazy friends who are willing and I, I am indebted to them they will get up and meet me at a park at 5.45 in the morning to help me run my long run. And that is huge. Um, it holds me accountable. It gets me out there. And they get a few miles in too. And, and it's not always fun running 20 miles in a two and a half mile park, but I will do it if I can have four different friends show up and take shifts to run the long run with me. Well, yeah, because then those miles change every time because you're talking to somebody. It does, different. yes. And I know there's people who hate to run next to people who are constantly chattering, but I'm a chatty runner too, so. Honestly, I'm not a chatty runner, but somebody chatting next to me is great because it takes my mind off, especially, like you said, at the end. When you're, when you're in those miles from 15 to 20 and you're just really ready for it to be done, um, I am not a, a heat runner by any means. I wilt in the heat. I live in Denver, people. I am a cold weather runner girl. You get me in the winter and I love it. Um, so I really do wilt in the summer. Um, training for a fall marathon is extremely hard for me. Um, so I do have to get up at 545 to try and get those miles in before the heat comes up. I don't how you people in the southern areas do it. Major props to you too. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been a long, hot summer in some areas for sure. Now tell me about, you recently started working with another organization. You, you're working with Team and Training. Tell us what is Team and Training and then tell us a little bit about your experience working with them and what you're doing. Um, team and Training is a... Um an organization that also allows you to run and raise money for charity. Um, it is for the Leukemia Society, so blood cancers. Um, and I am helping my running coach um, here who um, is coaching the team. So I am, and I am using quotation air quotes here too, um, the assistant coach for it. Um, I am the, uh, Facebook and, and media person, but I'm also there as their cheerleader and I, I am there to help them, but I help organize the runs. We're there on the weekends with them. Um, so she, she, um, Kim is right. It's taken a little bit of my time away from my training. So, um, you know, to help hold us accountable, we as coaches meet at different times to actually get our long runs in and our workly, um, Workly, weekly workouts um, like speed and strength training. Um, we do that on Wednesday night versus the Tuesday night with the team. 
So um, they're a great organization. We have um, adopted a, a young boy here in Colorado named Connor, and so the team's rallying behind him. Um, but trying to help um, about 30 runners with nine different races. So Okay, it, I was, I was going to ask if your team was training for a specific race, but it's different races? They do different races. So we are training for Chicago, the Denver Rock and Roll, Marine Corps, New York, Disney Wine and Dine, Las Vegas Half Marathon, Disney Marathon, and Austin Marathon. Wow. So... It's kind of confusing to keep everybody straight, but we do try. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're great organizations, and I'm a firm believer in giving back. Um, I, I don't think I can say this enough, but the running community has given me so much more than I can ever give them. Um, they've given me friends. They've given me a purpose. Um, they've given me my health. Um, I, it's probably the reason I survived my car accident. Um, it's probably the reason I'm still here. Um, and, um, it's, it's my stress reliever. It's my therapy. So it's definitely given me my mental health. (laughs) Yeah, that's important. That's important. And a couple episodes ago, I also talked to Michelle Seeger, who is a PhD and has spent the past 25 years studying the psychology behind exercise and motivation and what keeps us going. And all of those things that you mentioned are things that factor in to why we do what we do. Why do you exercise? It's, it's not, oh, I'm going to lose X number of pounds or I want to get ready for my high school reunion. Those things might work short term, but long term, it's those benefits that you know that you're going to feel better, you're going to have more energy, you're 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 just going to feel lighter mentally. Absolutely, and keep you going on a day to day basis. It is truly. I've said this, and and um, you can't see me because this is a podcast. But um, about five years ago, I actually lost almost ninety pounds, and everyone thought running is what did it. And and I have to tell you, running helped. But running is not what made me lose the weight. A lot of that was diet and a lot of it was um, exercise, boot camp, things like that. Running helped me maintain the rate. Um, Unfortunately, due to the car accident and a couple other injuries, I've gained some of it back. And also due to the car accident, it's a lot harder to lose this time. I have a different body. I can't do the same exercises due to a neck injury. Um, But... um, I have never lost weight training for a long race. A um, lot of people say that. That's true. They, I, I get that question from people here at work all the time. Well, didn't you lose weight this weekend? You ran like 20 miles. They don't realize how much food and fuel, which you know most runners know what I'm talking about there, that we put in our body to run that race. Um, or train for those miles. So um, I have never lost weight training for a long run. Um, It's very hard to do. Um, You've got to, you've got to balance how much fuel you put into your body and what type of fuel, the good food, the healthy food, not the junk food, water. Um, It's a balancing act as it is in life, you know. Right. 
So we've pretty much touched on all the major running topics that I can think of. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that I skipped over or that we forgot to talk about? I don't know if we did that. Um, you know, I am a back of the pack runner and I am also, like I said, I have gained some of that weight back, which makes it harder. And it also makes you susceptible to injury. The longer you're on your feet, the the more susceptible you are to injury. So um, this time I'm trying to be very cognizant of my body. Um, last year as I was training for the New York Marathon, I actually got a stress fracture a week ago last year. Um, yeah. So it was very sudden. And as soon as, if you've ever had a stress fracture, you understand. Um, I pretty much knew immediately what had happened and was in a boot for almost 14 weeks while it healed. Um, so this time I'm trying to be very careful on my body, just like some people run walk. Um, I am splitting some of my long runs so that I'm not on my feet that long. Um, my training hasn't been as good due to the health of my dog. And, um, you know, my dog is like my family. So I did have to stop life to take care of that injury for the dog. Um, but I'm still out there because I have my purpose and my why. And um, I might not be that super fast runner, but I'm going to go out there and enjoy my race because it is my race and it's my experience. So if that's the only thing you learn from this podcast um, is to find your why, your joy, and remember it's your race. So it's, it's what you make it. Um, not every race is perfect. Not every race is good. Um, like I said, I, Chicago is my favorite marathon because it's probably the only one I truly had fun. And some of that's because of weather. Some of it's because of injuries. Um, but if you remember your why and your joy and you have, you'll have fun in it and, um, you'll continue to lace up and walk out the door. Well, thank you so much for making time to talk with us today and to share a little bit about your journey and why you run. I love just everything about all your giving back and how you volunteer and how you raise money and how you look for the joy in the bright spots and just everything about how you are able to keep going when it gets tough. And I think that's all very inspiring. So thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week, and I will catch you next Tuesday.